what what is Jesus calling, inviting, not commanding me? That word command I rebel against, but but he's those commands are there for my good. And but what is Jesus inviting me into? You are listening to the Grand Prairie Alliance Church Women's Podcast, where our aim is to encourage, edify, and equip you as you grow in your faith. May we be salt and light in this dark, mixed-up world. Welcome to GPAC Women's Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Grand Prairie Alliance Church Women's Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Ruth Nielsen, and we are going to be talking a bit about her trip to Israel and focusing our hearts on Christmas, because it is coming. And like many of us, I'm sure it just flies by and you blink and you think, oh, did I stop to be present in this season? So that is our goal with today's podcast. Thanks so much for coming on, Ruth. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So can you tell us a bit about your role at the church here at GPAC? Sure. My title is the Director of Missions. And so I'm in charge of international ministries and short-term teams, we call them, or international workers, people who feel that God is calling them internationally, and they want us to be a part of that to sponsor them. So then uh, I help walk them through that process or connect them with organizations, pray with them, try to help them build up their support team back here. And then also I'm involved in directing our global impact team, which then we are trying to educate our congregation, trying to involve them, trying to engage them, trying to then empower the people, letting them know that we're behind them, those who are going. So there's all sorts of vision casting, communication with different organizations. So there's lots of things involved, but that's kind of basically what I do. Mm. Do you have a history yourself in missions? Like you, yes, you know what it's like to be the international yes. worker. Yes, I was seven years in Argentina, one year in Costa Rica studying Spanish, and then I was five years with my husband in five and a half years in Mexico City, and I've been on several short-term teams, and I've also been on staff in churches. So I know both the international aspect as well as being on staff in local churches. They, they got the right person for the job. Well, <laughs> I'm, I feel very privileged. I think God has really opened this door for me because mm. it's been, he's ca- he called it into me when I was very young. And it's been a part of my whole life. And then he allowed me to be there and go there. And he also then brought me back into the local church setting in various capacities. And this was something that I really wanted to do uh, 20 years ago. And God opened up this door for my present position. And I'm just very, very grateful for it. Mm, Praise God. So what does your role entail? Like, Do you mainly stay at the church or do you get to do some traveling? We started with mainly in the church, but because it involves international, I have been, we have started traveling and visiting our international workers just in October. One of the members of the Global Impact Team, Ashley Yeomans and myself, went to visit the cruises. Mm. Um, Now they're here, and so that's a little easier. 
but in the summer I was uh, I was able to visit some of our IWs internationally. Okay. So can you tell us one of the favorite parts of your job? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I love so much of it. Um, I get very excited when there's people who really uh, feel uh, a calling, a desire to go internationally, and they involve me in the process. And we just recently went through a discernment time, which we are pretty new at, but I take it out of Acts, where the church gathered together and Jesus, or the Father said to those who were fasting, set apart Paul and Barnabas. And so I really feel that the church does have a responsibility in that. And I don't know we if we've left it to the to the international organizations in doing that. But uh, then when we get to get together with a couple or a single person and we get to pray with them and hear God in this direction, it means that he's called not only the, the family unit or the single, but he's also called the church. And so as we do that together, it's, it's, it's exciting to be a part of this learning process of discernment myself, but also to see God calling Grand Prairie Alliance Church as well as people out of the congregation to go to unreached people groups. Because mm. you're saying that often we leave it to these organizations to do the recruiting R- to exactly. plant the seed. That's right. Or individual people. Like we, we, we cast the seed into the congregation and then we respond to someone who responds to that call rather than listening ourselves to who we might be recruiting mm-hmm. in, in parentheses that who God may be saying, I think that person um, sh- or, or I've, I'm, I'm working on that person and just kind of affirming with the leadership or with others that yes, we are going to support these people and God is talking to us. And it's interesting, there's a phrase in the Bible that says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, to the church and to us. And so involving, yeah, involving the church in that as well. To have a big community mm-hmm. like as a foundation for That's that. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I can only, ima- <coughs> pardon me, I can only imagine if you go to an ar- organization where you maybe only know one person or no one at all. Exactly. Exactly. Compared to having this backing Exactly. You. Exactly. The people who know you, who've been with you, who've seen you, and they, they too are sent, seen and hearing from the Father that yes, um, this is the person that I want you to set apart. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's an exciting process. Yeah, I can only imagine. I've not ever been a part of that. But hearing you speak about it, it's very, I can hear your passion and it sounds like on it's on point. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so this past spring, you went on a trip to Israel. That's right. So what were you expecting in that trip? And why did you go, I should ask? I've wanted to go for a very long time. I think because I like to study and to understand the bases of the Bible. It was written in Hebrew and Greek originally, and it was written in the land of Israel. So to understand the, the Word of God even deeper, 
I felt that if I could go to the place it was written, it would give me a broader understanding. So when I went, uh, I went to study. I went to study the historical and geographical land of the Bible. And so that was one course. And the second course was the, the life and ministry of Jesus. And there was this expectation that, oh, I'm going to the land where Jesus walked. And so to have this spiritual experience. And that's kind of what I was hoping for or waiting for when I went. Hmm. I think a lot of people would, right? Because yes. there's that feeling, I believe you had said, shared before, like like I'm walking where Jesus walked. Right. right? Like this, right. It just feels crazy, right? Like yes. You don't feel like that yes. in Grand Prairie. Yes. <laughs> um, so you went, um, when you were studying, sorry, you also learned about Bethlehem specifically. Yeah, yeah. What did you learn about Jesus's birth? Okay. Some of the expectations um, when I got there, like you're, you're driving, you're going to Bethlehem, you know, so you're going to see Christmas bell, bells and you're going to see the sheep and you're going to, you're going to see the little stable. <laughs> and I knew it wouldn't be like that. I mean, it's 2023. And you drive in, and there's a sign that says Israelis can't go on beyond this point. And you're just kind of, oh, my goodness. And there's a big wall. And we all know, and especially right now, have heard, but you're, you're going into the West Bank. So you're going into Palestinian territory. So there's this whole modern-day conflict overriding the Christmas Bethlehem. And then on the hillside are all these concrete apartment buildings. There's no little stable. There's no little stone house. And, uh, and then you, you drive up, and it's actually quite sad because they have built a church, and the church, of course, is, is very old. And they've built monuments to where Jesus was born. So the, the quietness of this silent night is totally gone. There's lineups to get past where, uh, where Jesus supposedly was born. And it's just, it kind of, it's sad. It makes you think that's, that's not why Jesus came. Mm. And so, uh, in fact, I waited in line, and some wait for hours, and you apparently... You go into this crowded area, and there's this little square thing. And I, I, I got to the entrance, and I thought, I'm not doing this. I started to get claustrophobic. People were pushing. And, I, and the people, my friends who went, said it was actually a very sad experience because people were pushing. They were mad at each other. They were, and the piece of Christmas was totally lost. So that's modern-day Bethlehem. But now, can I tell you about the other experience? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so then there, there is this garden, and it's called the Shepherd's Garden, I believe. And we went, I went in there. We went there twice. And the first time, we sat in kind of a rustic area looking out onto the hills of Bethlehem, which that helped. But then the next time we went, we went into a cave. And this was just so cool because it totally changed how I saw the birth of Jesus. And the reason that it changed it was because we all have, at least I, 
since the 50s, grew up with, uh, with a stable scene, which I loved. And Bethlehem, this nice, quiet town in the background. And I, I remember as a child sitting on my stomach looking at this under the Christmas tree, and it was all nice and silent, and, and there was a stable. Well, we're in this cave, and the professor is talking about the Middle Eastern culture and how we, we, we picture Mary and Joseph by themselves coming to Bethlehem, and she's riding on a donkey, and they get to a place, and there's no room in the inn. But one of the ways that the Hebrew can be translated from no room is also talking about the guest room. So understanding Middle Eastern culture if you come to a family's house, they are not going to turn you away. There's going to be some way they're going to fit you in. So Joseph was from from Bethlehem, from the, the lineage of Bethlehem. So there's the idea from, as the professor talked, that there was family there. Like he, he didn't go to a strange place that nobody knew possibly Mary, but Joseph would have had, more than likely would have had relatives there. And if you go to a family's house, even more so, they're not going to turn you away. So we're sitting in this cave, and they have, the archaeologists have found many caves in this area because it's a hilly area, and it's made out of a, a stone that you can carve out uh, dwellings in. And if you didn't carve it out, you could carve out stones or rocks, and that's what your house would be made out of. So to save money or time, you would just make a living area within these caves. So the front part of the cave is where they would have kept the animals. But archaeologists have found that you go back into these caves, and there's there's elements from from living in these caves. So Mary and Joseph, when they came, to their family's place. This is, we are supposing that, but they're also supposing about the stable. Like we have no evidence that it was a stable. So this even has a little more evidence than the stable. If they came to their family's house, they would have said, yeah, there is a lot of people here and we're sorry, the guest room's full, mm. but we have a place for you. And because the, sh the shepherds were out watching their sheep by night, that tells us in scripture, we can assume that Jesus' birth happened in summer because the animals didn't need protection. They were out at night. So the, the animals, the stable, the front area would have been cleaned out of, of animals and they could have cleaned that part out for Mary and Joseph. So what it did for me in terms of my perception of Jesus' birth, it made it even more human in the sense that it wasn't Mary and Joseph by themselves in a stable, Joseph delivering this baby in a Middle Eastern culture, but there could have actually been ants there. And we don't I don't know, but possibly his, his mother and father even came because if he was from the house and lineage, so was his father. And so they may have even come. Uh, her mother-in-law might have even been there. Mm. And so there is much more of a family. Jesus was born in a family. Mm. And so that sense that 
Yes, Emmanuel came, but even more, he came within the context of a human family, in the context of familiar surroundings with aunts and uncles. And the fact that it was in a stable, that was also not so foreign, because birth is messy, we know that. And so if and home births, of course, is where it would happen, they would have done it in the stable for other people, not just for Mary. But because it was messy, they, they would have cleaned up the stable, but still have the mess in the stable. So that whole idea of Jesus being born in the context of aunts and uncles in a very busy household, things are happening in the back in the kitchen, kids are running around, and Mary is having a very common home birth Mm -hmm. with all of this noise going on and that's where Emmanuel came Mm. because you're right when I picture it I think of them very much alone yeah and almost like I if I dare say it like almost like not cared for right yes and then to think of God being like oh no I asked you to do this I will definitely provide the care but yeah we we hone in on like there's no room at the end yeah exactly the no room at the end and we built songs around it and and there, and that's the way it's in the tra- I, I, in the English translation, but the Hebrew could have been there's no room in the guest room, mm-hmm. so we can't we can't treat you like royalty and put you in the guest room and offer you all that, but you are welcome in our home, mm-hmm. and so that's so now I I even bought one of those olive wood stable scenes from Bethlehem because of course Bethlehem has a whole uh, tourist attraction there and so I bought one of those but now I don't really want it I want a cave <laughs> I want some some cave scene in it so that's the, the, just a little added perspective to the nativity scene right that I heard yeah We'll have to like buy more little family characters, have an auntie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Instead of just the cow and the the donkey. And another thing about the donkey, Mary and Joseph were so poor, they could only offer, uh, when, when they went to have Jesus dedicated, they only could offer pigeons. So they were off, so they were not, uh, they were, they were not wealthy people. So they probably didn't have a donkey. Mm-hmm. For Mary to ride on. Yeah. So, and the whole idea that she was nine months pregnant riding on a donkey, like they, uh, probably not, because they knew the baby was coming, and so they might have gone months before, Hmm. because they knew that they had to do it, and then Joseph could have got a job in Bethlehem for a while. Like all these things that make sense when you're talking about it, but somehow we've we've, uh, formed these pictures so it just sh- not shook, I think added more to the humanity of Jesus, which does not take away from the fact that God is with us. It mm-hmm. just made him more more human like us. Yeah. Mm. So after this trip was done, or maybe yeah, you're like you're processing what right. they call that, uh, debriefing your yes, trip. Yes, yes. Um, did God reveal anything to you from this all? I love Israel. I don't think that everybody has to go there. In fact, I didn't have a spiritual experience when I was there. And I questioned if I walked where Jesus walked, only because the streets of Old Jerusalem 
have been destroyed since Jesus walked on them. We were probably 10 feet up from where Jesus walked because all the walls, everything was destroyed in 70 AD. And so we could be on 10 feet of rubble. So I didn't really walk where Jesus walked. And then you go to Galilee, Tiberias, Capernaum. There's all these high-rise buildings. There's modern four, four-lane highways right around uh, Galilee. So the thought, I, I don't know that I really walked where Jesus walked. But then so the spiritual sense... Um, was kind of lost on that. But it also occurred to me, I am walking where Jesus walked right now because Jesus is in me. Hmm. So to not make Israel a holy pilgrimage because he, he, that's why the Holy Spirit was sent. And he said, if I go, I send you the Holy Spirit. And therefore, everybody can experience Jesus. You don't have to go and walk in Galilee or uh, uh, on the streets of old Jerusalem. There is a sense that the Bible becomes more real. Uh, and I, I, I've grown in love with, I want to be Jewish. <laughs> not, not really. I, I mean, God let me be born where I was born, but a whole love for the symbolism of the Torah and what's written in the first five books of the Bible. Like, that's important. And all of the symbolism that's in there. Like, I was just thinking about that this morning, and I keep forgetting the word, but there is um, this thing. <laughs> it's called the mazuka, mazusa, mazusa. And the, the Jews, even today, put it on their doorpost. And inside of it, it's a, a little, it looks like a, a small container. It can be, usually it's small. And they inside of it, they put the Deuteronomy passage that talks about uh, talking about it when you're on the road. And, and they put it on their doorposts. Because in Deuteronomy, it says, put it on your doorpost, talk about it on when you're up and when you're down, and all the different things that Deuteronomy talks about. And there's a phrase in there called the Shema. And Shema means listen in Hebrew. And it's Shema, O Israel, Adonai is, uh, is our God, Adonai is one. So there's, there's this sense of the holiness of God all the time. Like when you go in and out of your house, um, the idea that 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 God is going with you, and you're constantly reminded of this is our God, and so that whole idea. So I I bought one, just an idea to don't buy it at the airport. I paid a lot for it, but <laughs> <laughs> and and I looked at my visa and going, oh my goodness, but. They, I, I bought a little paper like this, and she said, do you want the piece of paper? Do you want the blessing? Oh, yeah, that cost me 80 bucks. Just And I think because a rabbi wrote it in Hebrew on parchment, I had no clue. I thought it was a little piece of paper written. Anyway, just a uh, heads up for any of you going to <laughs> Israel. But that sense that, that every time I go in and out of my house, I'm reminded that I am God's and he is mine. And that... Um, so just that symbolism. Another one is called the lacrim 
crematory, the crematory. I'm not sure I'm saying it right, but it was, it's the tear jar. And it said that uh, when the woman washed Jesus' feet, she washed him with her tears. And so there's a thought that she had a tear jar. And that's, she collected her tears in that. And you only give that to someone you really love and someone that you've, you will cry over or that you've cried with or just that, the sense of love that that woman had. And then that symbolism of the lacrimatory of, of pouring my tears over the feet of somebody I really love. Mm-hmm. And so just the symbolism that, that is there and what it speaks to of the relationship of Emmanuel or God with us. So, yeah, um, just a, a love for the Old Testament and just want to understanding it more because Jesus fulfilled all of that. And if I just see Jesus as forgiving me of my sins, I lose the significance that God has revealed to us in the Old Testament of what he did. Mm. So there's so much in that. And then standing where standing where some of these prophets stood, it's like there's Mount Carmel where, where that big, you know, show off went with the, the prophets of Baal. And, and then standing and looking at... Nazareth, which is a budding city right now, and there's no little stable there. It's, uh, our, sorry, he, Bethlehem is a stable, Nazareth's where he grew up. But then going to another city, and I can still see the hill over which Jesus might have walked to go to work with Joseph to build up this other city. Um, just experiences like that, but it's not... It's not going to make me more holy because I went there. It's uh, those experiences. I'm just, I'm very grateful. And now, um, now I could cry about what's going on in Israel. Mm. But on the other hand, there is great hope because Jesus told us this was going to happen. So I know Jesus is coming back. And so the whole idea, watching what's happening, is so sad because, um, he, he, yes, Israel's a chosen people, but he also loves the Palestinians. So uh, am, am I, I, yes, I'm praying for the peace of Israel. Um, and I'm praying that the Palestinians come to know Jesus just like the Israelis. Mm. We're going to make a bit of a jump here. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, as Christmas approaches... Oh, do you have any exhortation for us that you would say in the West, like what our focus should be on? What is the point of Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's so many devotionals out there. I thought, what what could I add to these devotionals? I mean, Max Lucado and John MacArthur and, and all of these big names, I'm sure. I don't know if Beth Moore has something about it there, but all these big names have written something about it. What, what could I add in terms of exhortation? And I'm probably scared because if I exhort, then I have to say it to myself. <laughs> And I get wrapped up in everything about Christmas, just like everybody else. I I love Christmas. 
I think even as I'm walking with Jesus and as I'm maturing and as he's sanctifying me, I've been on this journey with Jesus for a very long time. I'm a grandma. I accepted Jesus when I was eight. I was born into a Christian home. I heard about him since I was born. So my whole life, and so that he's been with me my whole, whole life. He's with everybody their whole lives, but I've known it. And, but yet there's this phrase that Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me. And there's so many good things that I'm doing that I'm exhausted. And I'm questioning, God, help me to know your voice, to know what my role is in all of this. Because there's so, I'm, I'm, I see somebody and I go, oh man, that's, I, I'd like to do that. Or, or I look, the Advent wreath has, I've, I haven't done it every year. I've, I've done it with family, had a lot of fun. But of course, I was fretting over uh, what it was going to look like when I do it for family. But trying to do it even just by myself now as a widow in my home. Um, and I was single for, for a long part of my life. And just taking the candles, it doesn't matter about the color. I don't, I don't get the colors. Uh, I like them to match, and purple and pink don't match my Christmas <laughs> decorations. So I just have white. Uh, but just lighting the candle and stopping. And if it's hope that I'm looking at, looking at hope all week. And just saying... And or joy or peace and love and Jesus most of all he's he's the reason for the hope and right now especially in our world with so much fear uh, wars going on stuff that we hear about of course we're hearing about Israel right now and, and last year it was the Ukraine but there's wars all over and but the hope that I have and the purpose that I am created for a purpose and I have all of eternity to look forward to because he came. So I think Easter is gives that even more than Christmas. But speaking of uh, the hope that both of those offer to us and the very fact of Emmanuel, God with us, and stopping to think about that. And that's what the Advent wreath helps me to do. Mm. To be th have that moment of intention. Do you like to yeah. do it in the morning or just when you find it, time? Uh, usually in the evening. And and uh, that's where I got to stop because I'm so, I'm doing so many things that evenings aren't even free. And I'm, I'm going, okay, I need to stop. And even at the end of the day, and usually I'm so exhausted, I just want to fall into bed. But, um, yeah, trying to, to do that at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, don't leave that candle burning. I yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't fall asleep with it. Thank you. Yeah. That's good advice. That's my tip. Because, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the message of Christmas. I think right. if we've been Christians for a while, sometimes, isn't it weird how like we can almost lose sight of that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I love that. Yeah, you're right. Like th the core message of the Christmas time is what Jesus came to fulfill. Yeah. And I love yeah. how you said knowing the Old Testament, that's so important because I know we obviously want to have Jesus at the center, but sometimes we don't understand the full bloom and beauty of oh, him. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Unless we realize, 
wow, he put an end to the sacrificial exactly. system. He, like all these things, yes. the freedom he brought. Yes, yeah. yes. Christmas is about freedom. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to end it on a little bit of a fun note, but do you have any Christmas traditions that are your favorite that maybe some of us might want to start doing? <laughs> well, I'm sure that lots of you out there are already doing it, but Hallmark movies, unfortunately, they start in October, well, November. Um, so, yeah. That's probably one of, that's my, my bad is Hallmark movies. But another, well, another tradition would be the Advent wreath. Mm, I really am very grateful for the ad, Advent wreath. I, I somehow try to tie that in, even if I don't do it every day for 24 days. Um, I, I love the cookies. Uh, yeah, there's, there's lots. That's, uh. Yeah, I, I don't know that I want to say it all because it's probably not, it's probably going to just make me uptight. Oh, yeah, I got to make cookies and I got to buy <laughs> gifts. and I <laughs> Putting that expectation on it, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. For our family, the one thing we've started, I think it was, isn't it kind of funny when something unintentionally happens? Yeah. You're like, oh, we're going to, again, try to make this happen next year, which could maybe backfire with putting the expectation. But we have a little... Um, children's nativity scene and one year it came with a little book of like basically a children's version of the story right right? put in children's language so i read it and my husband and daughter had the characters and they like acted it out okay so that was like the one little thing where i'm like well see like we're making it fun yes Yes. so i've enjoyed that and um i also have like a book on the 12 days of christmas which as a kid i always thought it was the 12 days leading up to Christmas. Okay. But the book revealed it starts Christmas Day and goes, I think, to January 6th. Oh, so okay. It's been actually very challenging because I thought, what if we did one thing a day that wasn't necessarily self-focused, but right. kind of... of sl- um, oh, I'm trying to think of the word, sorry. Through love, serving others. Right. So what I found kind of hard is like, by day 12, I'm sure my children <laughs> are like, mom, enough. But trying to, I don't know. It's definitely been, a f- like you're saying with the Advent, like there's days that get right, missed. Right. But that's something that I'm like, because for me, I'm like, can we stretch this out any longer, Oh, please? wow. <laughs> okay, I like that because January 6th, since being in Mexico, that's uh, something I didn't mention. One of the traditions there is their, um, their punch that they make and I love it I I can't make it here because we don't get some of the ingredients but they also have day of the kings which is January the 6th and so there's uh, they celebrate when the kings came and so children leave out their shoes uh, and put straw in it for the camels because it's the wise men who are coming to see Jesus so it's stretched out till the 6th or the 8th Someplace, but I think it is the sixth. That that would make sense. Might be the eighth. Anyway, <laughs> it's in there, and I I really like. Th- and then they make a special cake. They make a special bread, and inside is the baby Jesus. So whoever gets that baby Jesus, then makes um, tamales for February the second. So they stretch it out <laughs> to February the second. Okay, so, so what you're saying is I need to go to Mexico. Yeah, you need to go to Mexico <laughs> and carry out these traditions. But I didn't know that about the 12 days of Christmas. So that's really fun because I I kind of like to celebrate somehow the Day of the Kings. And last year I made a rosca, it's called. And uh, so I made the special bread. So yeah, 
let's carry out it till at least January the 6th. Yeah. <laughs> I find January so depressing for that yeah. reason. I'm just yeah. like, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, yeah, let's, you and me, let's stretch yeah. it out and yeah. anyone who wants to join us. That's right. January the 6th. <laughs> and we can have, like, food for the camels and the camels will come and they'll bring the kids gifts. So the kids get... Um, the kids get gifts at Christmas and at Day of the Kings, so mm. that's a little much. But, but you know, if you do little things, because I'm also a gifty person. So. Right. Mm. Well, Ruth, thank you so much for telling us about your role, about your trip, and what God's been revealing to you, and then just helping us with a little bit more focus, but maybe relaxation in this right. Christmas season. Right. I think we all, especially in the West, it is just activity, event, yeah. fun, fun, fun. And then you're yeah. like, why am I so exhausted? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been fun. That is our episode for today. We want to thank you for listening. If you have any topic ideas you'd like us to cover, please send us an email to office at gpalliance.ca with the subject title of women's podcast in the title there that way it gets to me that would be great we would love to hear any of your ideas lastly we're trying to reach as many listeners as we can in hopes of growing the kingdom of god whether you tell someone in person about the podcast or leave us a review on your podcast app of choice we would so appreciate it those things really help people find us may the lord bless you and keep you dear friends and until next time god bless